they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this first Friday of the month of June. This is June 2nd. Thank you for joining us. We are going to begin with a prayer and we're in um, ordinary time for the church. So we'll start with the Angelus in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Pray for us, O holy mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth. Pleni sunt celia terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine domini, hosanna in excelsis. Lord, in this octave of Pentecost, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Fill us with your spirit, enlighten us to know you, to love you, and to serve you. May we know the truth, for the truth will truly set us free. Send forth your spirit, O Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Live in our hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And we rejoice. We rejoice in all the wonders that God has brought. We rejoice in all of his works, all his goodness, all the truth and beauty he has revealed. You know, um, who is she? Who is she? Who is who? Well, um, in the book of uh, one of the wisdom books in the Old Testament, it says that who is she that comes forth like the dawn? like the morning rising, fair as the moon, bright as the sun, terrible as an army set in battle array. Who is she? Well, she is the woman, the woman whom God promised in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between her seed and your seed. He will strike at your head, you will strike at his heel. Why is it important to know who she is? Well, who is the woman who brought forth the Messiah? There's only one the Blessed Virgin Mary. And remember something, when we say that, we're not making her a goddess. We're not making her a God. We're not making her equal to God. This was God's plan, his plan from the beginning. You see, it's an interesting reality. 
we have a natural body, don't we? We're made in this world. We're made of the things that God created. We're creatures. How could a creature possibly hope to be raised to union with God? Unless God had decided that he himself would humble himself to become one of his creatures, to unite his own creation to himself in the second person of the Blessed Trinity. So he would take the nature of a human being and unite it to himself so that in doing so, all of creation is united to him. And not just the body, but the soul, the spirit also. So all the spirits that God created, all the natural creatures that God created that we can feel and touch and see, all of them are recapitulated in Christ Jesus. You can look that up in one of Paul's letter, talk about the recapitulation of all things in Christ. So why does it matter who Mary is? And I understand sometimes people get upset. They say Catholics worship Mary. Well, actually Catholics don't worship Mary. And when we pray the rosary, we're not worshiping Mary. We are meditating on the mysteries of salvation. It's interesting in church history. When the controversies were raging over the identity of who Jesus Christ was, was he God who was somehow um, pretended to be man and just pretended to take human nature and lived among us? Or was he a human being who God raised to some special um, status, but not really equal to the father, not really God? Was he, um, you know, play acting was there were lots of questions in the story in history, no story in heresy, the Arian heresy. And during the time of the Arian heresy where Arius didn't, he said Jesus was some kind of a third creature, actually. He wasn't God and he wasn't man. He was the highest creature that God ever made, but he wasn't fully man, but he wasn't fully God either. He was something different that God had never made before. So he's, he's still a creature. So Arius, essentially, if you look deeply into his heresy, denied both his humanity and his divinity. Whoa. So we have this, this heresy going on. And, and what happened? The, um, the council, I think it was the fourth council of, I want to say Chalcedon, and I might be wrong about that. But um, so the fathers, the, the bishops of the church are discussing this. And it's at Constantinople. And um, maybe it was at Constantinople, I believe, because it was... And the people are outside, the lay people are outside and they're chanting Theotokos, Theotokos, Theotokos. What does Theotokos mean? Theotokos means the God bearer. And they're referring to the Blessed Virgin Mary of Nazareth. And so why is it important? Because if we don't understand what Mary's role is in salvation, the role that God gave her, who God made her to be, then we don't understand who Jesus Christ is. Okay, Jesus Christ is the son of God made man. He's truly the God man. He's not a quasi God. He's not just the highest of creatures that God made. God literally and actually created a human nature that he united to himself in the second person of the blessed Trinity. He's only one person, the second person of the blessed Trinity, and he's united to the Godhead. His humanity is taken up into the Godhead so that by doing so, he makes it possible for us also to be taken up into Godhead, to be united to God, to be divinized, not that we ever become God. We don't become God and we don't become little gods, 
but we share in the life of God because the son of God actually became man and lived among us. And is this a mystery? Absolutely, it's a mystery. And some people say, well, I can't accept that. Well, the only reason I can accept it is because God revealed it. And I humble myself. I ask the Lord for the grace to humble myself before the gift of faith that I was given in baptism. And that gift of faith tells me that God is worthy of belief. And I can trust all that God says and all that God does. As Job said, even if he were to slay me, I would trust him. So I place all my trust in God. It doesn't make sense to me and my natural intellect that I could be divinized, that I could be united to Godhead, that I would have some finality other than finality in this natural world, because that's what I see and feel and touch is this natural world, the world God created. And yet faith tells me I have a finality beyond this natural world, that my actual finality, not just for my soul, but my body has a finality in God, that I am to be made united to God, that I am made for union with God. This is what we're called to. We're, we're made for greatness. So it matters who Mary is. And it's interesting because somebody was asking questions and with all of this confusion about gender confusion and um, people trying to promote um, disordered behavior, actually disordered behavior and um, debauchery. It's a, it's a form of debauchery and slavery when we deny the reality of who we are. God made human beings, male and female. That's all. There's two genders, male and female. And, and we're created in God's image. And if there's gender confusion, that confusion is caused by the sins of others, possibly the neglect of others, or our own sins, because we don't want to live. We don't want to do the hard work of saying no to our flesh. And it's hard work. It's an arduous task. And once a priest in a conference once said, you know, these people who say that it's easy to become a saint, well, it, it's not really easy. It's an arduous task. It's like climbing a mountain. And he said, he made the analogy. He lived in, in Austria for a while. And he said, you know, every weekend people go up into the Alps unprepared and they go up hiking in the Alps. And he said, every weekend you have people die in the Alps because they're going up to the mountain unprepared. You have to have respect for the mountain. If you're going to climb the mountain, you have to have the proper tools and you have to have a guide and you have to have the, the, the first aid kit and you have to have everything that you need. And you also have to get rid of everything that you don't need, everything that's going to weigh you down and keep you from reaching the height of the mountain. So God provides all these things for us, but we have to be open to them. We have to be able and willing and we have to say no to ourselves, so that we can live in union with God. And remember, Paul will say in one of his letters, it is I who live now, not I, but Christ lives in me. This is our goal. Our goal is to become living images of Jesus Christ, to allow the Lord Jesus to live in us and to work in and through us. We are to build his kingdom on earth because we're to allow him through the power of his spirit to work in and through us to make his kingdom present. We'll be back with more on Bible with the Barbers and on who is she. And then I'm gonna go into the, the question of who is she the mother of? And I wanna bring up something that uh, someone sent me this week in, in our emails. So thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, Bible with the Barbers. Please share this program with your family and friends. Let them know that it's here. And I'll be back with more. Thank you for joining us. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio on this first Friday of June, June 2nd. We make reparation to the most sacred heart of Jesus by all the um, offenses with which he is offended. A uh, good way to do that, go to Holy Mass. If you haven't been in confession, go to confession first. So you can receive Holy Communion, receive Jesus worthily in Holy Communion, and try to make time of adoration before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, we're talking about who is she? Who is she that comes forth as the morning rising, fair as the moon, bright as the sun, terrible as an army set in battle array? Mary, who is she? Well, we have in Luke, Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Upon entering the house, the angel said to her, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you, but, but she was greatly troubled and saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of David, his father, and he shall rule over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom shall have no end. And Mary said, how can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Hence, the holy offspring to be born of you will be called Holy, the Son of God. So Mary's told that she's going to have a child, and her child is going to be the Son of God. Now, in the following verses, she makes, makes him hasten to the hill country of Judea. And when she gets to Zachariah's house, Elizabeth greets her with this greeting. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? My point is here, I'm going to focus in, there's a, so much here in this, in this passages from Luke. But, and one is the highlighting of Mary's humility, her humility before God. First of all, when the angel comes, she's, the angel is praising her and she's troubled by that because she knows that everything that she has, any grace she has, anything that she does or that is good comes from God. And she's grateful to God for that. And she's troubled and she's already made a vow of virginity to God. We're not going to go deeply into that. But that's why she says, how can this be since I know not man? Well, she's, she's betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal in those days was not, you had to write a decree of divorce. Remember when Joseph discerns that she's pregnant and he's going to leave her? He has to write a decree of divorce. That's what he decided to do. Because it's considered a real marriage. Even though it hasn't been consummated, it's considered a real marriage. So, but she, the angel tells her that she's going to be the mother of God. That she's going to conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. This will be a virginal conception. And there was a virginal conception prophesied in Isaiah. The virgin shall be with child. And, and this prophecy about he will rule over the house of Jacob for years to come. And his reign will be without end. Daniel 2, 44. That the Messiah would rule 
over forever and ever, that there would be no end to his reign. Okay. So it has to be an eternal reign. It's a reign that doesn't have a finality in this world. As Jesus would say before Pilate, if my kingdom were of this world, my subjects would be fighting to release me. My kingdom is not of this world. And so our, our finality is not in this world. So Jesus comes, the son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, and he is not Jesus until the moment of his conception in his mother's womb. The human nature of Jesus is created when Mary says, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. When she says those words, that's when the human nature of Jesus is created. So Jesus was always God from the first moment of his creation in his mother's womb, because from the first moment of his creation in his mother's womb, he, is, he was the second person of the Blessed Trinity incarnate. But the Son of God was not always man. The Son of God was not always Jesus. The son of God became man at the moment of the incarnation. That's when he becomes man. And it's important. You know, people think, oh, what, you know, semantics, whatever. No, words have meanings and ideas do have consequences. And it's important. Just like Theotokos, who is Mary? When we understand that she truly is the mother of God, because mothers, mother persons, not natures. She is the mother of the second person of the Blessed Trinity. That doesn't put her above God. God did this. This is what the angels who rebelled, the devils, rebelled against in the beginning. That the second person of the Blessed Trinity would become, remember, Satan never saw God face to face. He wasn't in heaven. When we say he lost his place in heaven, we may, we, he lost the place that was prepared for him. He never got there. The good angels got there because they said, we'll serve. But Satan said, no, I won't serve. I'm not going to serve this woman and I'm not going to serve her child. Well, her child is God incarnate. And Satan was cut to the quick that he was going to, he was being asked to serve a creature that was below himself. Oh my gosh, how could you? And, and that's, we want to be humble. We want to be humble before God. And so Mary is the mother of God. And that's clear from scripture. That's not my idea. That's not the Catholic Church's idea. This is the revelation of God. And the Catholic Church has been made by Jesus Christ because the Catholic Church is the church Jesus founded, has been made the guardian of that. She's the guardian of the sacred deposit of faith. We pass on the faith because Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living, Bishop Sheen used to say. So only in Jesus Christ do we find salvation. No one knows the Father. No one knows the Son but the Father. No one knows the Son but the Father. But no one knows the Father but the Son and anyone to whom the Son reveals him. The reason the people of the Old Testament don't know that God is a trinity of persons is they don't know yet that he's father, son, and Holy spirit. Okay. Jesus reveals this and only the son can reveal that God is father. So we're talking about humility and Mary's humility. 
When Elizabeth praises Mary, Mary doesn't say, oh, I know, I'm so good, and God has chosen me, isn't it? Well, I'm the mother of God, and I come to you, and oh, isn't this? She says, no. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit exalts in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. For behold, from henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things to me, and holy is his name. You know, the reading from today's Mass, and you can look that up, is from the, the first reading, is from the book of Sirach, and it, it says, I will praise these godly men, our ancestors, for they were, God, they, they were godly men, and their names shall be told in the assembly, and their deeds shall be retold. So yes, it, it's not wrong to praise the works of God that he accomplishes through his saints. As a matter of fact, we're called to do that. And so it struck me this week, there was, a, there was an app listener who was sending me some materials. And I guess this has to do with the confusion of our time and some people wanting to um, dedicate the month of June to debauchery and to praising and taking pride in debauchery. And they have this... Um, they have these symbols that they use and they call it pride month. Well, is pride the way we want to go? Remember, the devil is the one who rebelled against God and his pride. How does Mary react to God in humility? How does Jesus, how does the second person of, of, the, of the blessed Trinity react to his father? Does, does the second person, when he talks about it, does, comes, does he, I came to do my own will. Look at guys, I'm the son of God. You better listen to me. You know, she says, no, I've come to do the will of my father. I've come to do the will of him who sent me. I do what I see my father doing. I say what my father has said. I obey my father in everything. I'm obedient, obedient to the father. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Humility, humility, humility. Is there anywhere in the scriptures where this is person, where it's written out and says that Jesus was humble? Well, um, it's in one of Paul's letters, and I'll have to find it for you. Please, God, before the end of the show. Though he was God, Jesus did not deem, maybe it's Thessalonians, Jesus did not deem equality with God a thing to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. He was known to be of human estate, and it was thus that he humbled himself obediently accepting even death, death on a cross. And because of this, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every other name, so that at Jesus' name, every knee shall bend in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth. And every tongue proclaim to the glory of God the Father Jesus Christ is Lord. And what somebody sent me is they sent me a little, um, someone had wrote this, I don't know what you call it, it's like a cartoon almost, a picture of the Blessed Mother holding the baby Jesus. And um, it says, Mother of Pride. Mother of Pride? Is that what it says? Though he was God. He did not deem equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. 
He was known to be of human estate. And it was thus that he humbled himself, that he humbled himself. God resists the proud. All of us have to renounce our pride. It's not Ephesians. I don't see it in Ephesians. I don't see it in Philippians. Maybe it's Thessalonians, but I have to find Thessalonians. <laughs> I love Paul's letter. He has these um, beautiful, beautiful hymns in them. And but, but the reality of who Christ is, he is God, made man, and he humbles himself. He humbles himself and he becomes obedient unto death even to death on a cross. And remember that death, that death is a, of humility. It's a death of shame. To die on a cross, a curse be anyone who hangs on a tree. And our Lord Jesus, who is the son of God made man, he's truly the God man. Mary is truly Theotokos, the mother of God, but also mother of man. And he humbles himself to this point. And we're going to talk more about the humility of God on the other side of this break. And how good our God is. And God can only do what is good. And he is always good. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to all of our benefactors. And to all of those of you who pray for us. And offer sacrifices for us. And those who volunteer to help us and our staff. I appreciate everything you guys do. Don't go away. Ask your friends to join us. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And we're talking about the humility of God. And I did find the passage, it's actually in Philippians. It is Philippians, the second chapter of Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself taking the form of a slave he being born in the likeness of men and being formed in human form he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even death on the cross therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bend in the heavens, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we are supposed to imitate Jesus and be like him. And again, if we understand who Jesus is, <laughs> we know that his mother has an important place, not because the Catholic Church says so. The church can only say, what is true because it is true. And the church insists on the sacred deposit of faith that God revealed that Jesus Christ gave us. And he did give us a sacred deposit that was in his own life and works. He inspired men to write it down in the gospels and in the New Testament and the Old Testament. The Old Testament were the prophecies and the foreshadowings and what was going to happen and how was it going to be when the Messiah came. And then Jesus comes and he fulfills all that. And now in the New Testament, Jesus, the second person of the blessed Trinity, takes on himself a human nature and he fulfills all the prophecies. And he's born of a virgin. And she is a virgin. She remains a virgin. And this is God's work in her. This isn't, we're not making Mary a goddess. 
We're just acknowledging the sacred deposit of faith that was left to the church. And the, in, in addition to that, we have the writings of the fathers of the church, the writings of the first 500 years by the, the bishops and priests and doctors of the church who, who teach us what the church understood by what Jesus left and the living tradition of the church, the sacred liturgy. Jesus left these things to us. And Jesus is truly God. And because mothers, mother persons, not natures, she is truly the mother of God. That's not putting her above God, and we don't. Catholics do not worship Mary. Anyone who worships Mary, that's idolatry. It's just like, you know, God gives us gifts. He gives us gifts of the liturgy. He gives us gifts of grace. He gives us gifts of consolation in our spiritual life. If we start clinging to those things and worshiping them, that's idolatry. We're supposed to love God for God, for his own sake. So we ask him by the power of his spirit to purify our love for him, to glorify himself in us. And yes, we ask God to glorify himself in us and in our weakness. That's what Paul said. He, you know, he had this weakness that God left him with. He said, in order to keep me humble, and again, not prideful, we're not prideful before God. We're a humble, in order to keep him humble, God gave him a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to tempt him. And three times he begged God to take it away. And God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness is my grace brought to perfection. So Paul says, I willingly rejoice in my weakness so that the power of Christ might shine through me. The power of Christ will shine through him. He willingly rejoices in his weakness. And it is in his weakness that the power of Christ is brought to bear and evident. And it becomes evident that, no, I can do no good thing without God's help. Only through God's help can I do good. And so everything that is good comes from God. God calls us to goodness. We're sinners. We have original sin. We have concupiscence. But God gives us the grace to overcome sin. You know, whatever your tendency is in life, there are seven capital sins. Can we remember them all? Pride, vanity, sloth, greed, gluttony, um, lust, anger. Seven capital sins. We all have a proclivity to one of those sins. Usually people have a predominant proclivity, you know. And they lead to other sinfulness. Don't make a pact with sin in your life. Jesus never made a pact with sin. No, he, he, no, I'm not going to sin. You know, it's interesting. He doesn't answer the high priest's question in his trial until what? Until the high priest says, I adjure you in the name of the living God. The high priest had the authority to do this. This is the God man standing before him. And the high priest says, I adjure you in the name of the living God. Tell us whether you are the son of God. And so he does. I am. He's not going to change the truth. He says, I am. And the high priest tears his garment. You have heard the blasphemy. What is your, what is your sentence? Well, he is the son of God. What is he supposed to say? Be politically correct and say, well, guys, you know, let's, let's, let's nuance this and so you can understand it and you can accept me and be welcoming. And no, the truth is the truth is the truth. And sometimes the, the hard truth just has to be said straightforward. 
Now we don't trample on people. We don't crush them down. And this is one of the problems in our day. We have a lot of wounded people who are very confused about who they are, where they came from, where they're going. As I think it may have been Bishop Sheen who once said, or maybe it was G.K. Chesterton. Um, you know, the problem with modern man is he's not only forgot, he not only forgot where he's going, but he forgot where he came from. <laughs> and so he can't find his way back. We're supposed to be going to God. We don't have a finality in this world. We're supposed to be oriented toward God. Apu Deum. Oriented toward God. This is where God made us, to be oriented toward him. In the divine image, he made them. Male and female, he made them. And they walked with their God in the cool of the day. They had mystical knowledge of God in the garden. They conversed freely and, friend and familiarly with God. And that's what God wants for us. And he wants that for time and eternity. He wants us to live in union with him in time so we can live in union with him in eternity. That means giving up sin. And we did that last week. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not, it's not love you know, or commandments. It's love and commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You can listen to last week's show and go over that. No, it, it, there's no dichotomy. There's no dichotomy between truth and love. It's not, oh, well, we have the truth, but we don't have charity. Or we have charity, so we don't have the truth. No, there's no dichotomy. God is love. God is also truth. So there's no dichotomy. We need to learn to be humble in ourselves, to stop listening to the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil, even our own emotional woundedness. The wounds that say, I'm not lovable, I can't be loved, I can't do good. Oh, if there's bad stuff in the world, God must be doing bad, which is probably not just from our own wounds. That may be coming directly from the enemy. So we need to resist those lies, resist the lies, and give ourselves over to the truth. Say, God, you are, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are love. I want your love. I want you to live in me. Even as Paul claimed, I live now, not I, but Christ lives in me. Lord Jesus, I want that to be. Give me the fullness of your spirit. Glorify yourself in my weakness, Lord. Even as Paul said, I glory in my weakness. Not that he's saying sin and sin boldly, because he made that clear in Romans. He's talking about the fact where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And so people are going to say, Paul said, go out and sin. No, Paul didn't say that. And, and let read it in Romans. He, he clarifies that. No, I didn't say go out and sin. <laughs> But, but the reality is, is God looks upon our weakness and our weakness draws him to us. This is the humility of our God. That when we slapped him in the face and turned our backs on him, he comes to us and says, I will take you back. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. I stooped and taught Ephraim how to walk. And yet he did not know me the prophecies and the prophets and how we have rebelled against God and we have committed spiritual adultery by not keeping his commandments, by not worshiping properly. By the way, it's not, it's not a little thing to play fast and loose with the liturgy. The sacred liturgy is sacred. It's revealed by God. The church didn't make it up, honey. <laughs> you know, just like in the old Testament, a lot of people don't like to read numbers, Leviticus and Deuteronomy because there's so many rules and regulations. But it's God who taught the people how to worship. And the animal sacrifice was only provisional. That would end when the Messiah came. There would be one sacrifice, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he offers once for all. 
And when we say the mass, we're not offering Christ again and again in terms of over and over. We're not re-crucifying him. We are tie, being tied in by the grace of the Holy Spirit, the action of Jesus Christ through his priest, to that one eternal sacrifice. The victim who immolated himself is no longer dying, but he lives for all eternity that act of immolated love. The lamb who was slain in heaven still bears his scars. Read Revelation 5. He stands before the father, showing his scars ever to make intercession for us. He is the victim who continually intercedes for us. The humility of our God. We're not looking to show pride and arrogance. Love is not boastful. It's not prideful. It's not arrogant. Read 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. It's generous. It rejoices in the right. It doesn't rejoice in the wrong. And sin is sin. No matter who's committing that sin or why they're committing it, it's still a sin. And to tell someone, well, you know, God made you that way. So, no, God didn't make us this way, quite frankly. God didn't make original sin. And he didn't make any other sin. When we sin, it's our own fault. It's one of the problems in, you know, in, the, in the Garden of Eden. The punishment was greater for Adam and Eve because neither of them would own up to the fact that they were responsible for their own action. Adam blamed God indirectly, but he, he blamed Eve directly, but he blamed God indirectly. And I see that timer. This is just going way too fast. I hope you enjoy this program, and I hope you enjoy it enough to share it. Please share this program with your friends and family. People can't know it's here unless you share it with them. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to the radio stations who pick us up, to our benefactors, our volunteers, all of our support team, and all of those who have um, been so generous in their prayers. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you so much for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. And no, Terry's babysitting. We, we, switch, we switch it here. So um, thank you for joining us. I want to thank all of those of you who support our radio station. I want to thank the radio, our radio, our, our internet radio station. All of those who um, support all radio stations, the little ones that pick us up, thank you. And, and those of you who support those little radio stations, those of you who support us directly. Um, and um, by the way, if anyone who makes donations, when you write out a check, make it to Catholic Resource Center, Inc. or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Catholic Resource Center, Inc. or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. But thank you for your support, your financial support. And thank you also for your prayer support. You know, we're, and this is what I want to bring in today. We're all called to be saints. We're all called to the finality in heaven. We're called to that kingdom, which is not of this world. We don't have a finality in this world and we need God's help. Without this, we can't do it. And this is the humility of God that he bends down to us to lift us up. And this is why he made us to bend down to us. He bent down to us to make us. And now he lifts us up. Even after we sinned and rejected him, he still lifts us up. So we're talking about the humility of God and and Mary, as the mother of God, she's not the mother of pride. She's the mother of God. And God is love. God is the way, the truth, and the life. God is all humility. Jesus Christ is the son of God made man. He took to himself a human nature. The name of his human nature is Jesus. He is the Christ, the anointed one, because he is the Messiah. And he is 
the second person of the Blessed Trinity incarnate. So he's God living among us. And, you know, we, we talked about Paul's hymn in Philippians talking about the humility of God, that Jesus emptied himself and took the form of a slave and he dies on the cross. This is his humility that Mary and her Magnificat and Mary, when the angel Gabriel comes to her, read Luke 1 and, and Mary's humility. She is she acknowledges what God does and rejoices in it. But she acknowledges it's all God. It's all God. And this is what we need to do. It's not about pride and arrogance and putting ourselves forward. It's about and we putting ourselves at the mercy of God, humbling ourselves at the foot of the cross and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your grace. And it was interesting because Paul, in one of his um, one of his letters in um, Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16, Paul will say, address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. So if you're wondering how we're supposed to do this, well, we're supposed to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. So even in our conversations with each other, we're supposed to be praising the Lord. Like the inspired writers of the New Testament, the Catechism of the Catholic Church goes on to explain in paragraph 2641, the first Christian communities read the book of Psalms in a new way, singing it in it the mystery of Christ. In the newness of the spirit, they also composed hymns and canticles in light of the unheard of event that God accomplished in his son that God became man and really died on the cross and rose from the dead. His incarnation, his death, which conquered death, his resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the father, doxology, the praise of God, arises from the marvelous work of the whole economy of salvation. And you can compare Philippians 6, 2, Philippians 2, 6 through 11, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, Ephesians 5, 14, 1 Timothy 3.16, 1 Timothy 6.15 and 16, and 2 Timothy 2.11 and 13. Also Ephesians 1.3-14, Romans 16.25-27, Ephesians 3.20 and 21, and Jude 24 and 25. Just in case you don't think this is biblical. It is biblical. And the Catholic Church bases... But she gives, us the, she gives us the true interpretation of the Bible. And the church goes on in paragraph 2667 to say, the simple invocation of faith developed in the tradition of prayer under many forms in the East and the West. This simple. It's going to talk about a simple invocation of faith that was developed in many forms under in, in the East and the West. The most usual formulation transmitted by the spiritual writers of the Sinai, Syria, and Mount Athos is the invocation, Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on us sinners. It combines the Christological hymn of Philippians 2, 6 through 11, and the cry of the publican, publican and the blind man begging for light. By it, the heart is opened to human wretchedness and the Savior's mercy. So this is our attitude before God to humble ourselves and ask mercy for our sins.
you know, if you have a tendency towards sin, whatever sin it is, look at the Ten Commandments. Whatever sin it is, you have a tendency towards. If people have homosexual tendencies, that's not a sin. The church doesn't say homosexual people are intrinsically evil. She doesn't say masturbation, people who are masturbating are intrinsically evil. It's the action. Homosexual actions are intrinsically evil. Masturbation is intrinsically evil. By its nature, those acts, no matter who commits them, are against nature. Adultery is a sin, but it's not against nature. It's a sin against justice. That's a sin against the family. Fornication is a sin. It's a sin against, again, against justice. Because if a child comes from your act of fornication, that child deserved to be born, had the right to be born into a family where there's a father and a mother who are committed to each other for life, who love that child. So there are some sins that are natural, and they're, but they're sins nonetheless. So just like my husband doesn't have a right to go out and date other women and fraternize with other women because he gave himself totally to me. And I don't have a right to date other men or fraternize with other men because I totally gave myself to my husband. So too, we all have to live a chaste life. No matter what our orientation is, we're called to live chastely. And that's what courage does. There was a group founded by Father John Harvey, the Jesuit, called Courage. And it teaches people, no matter what your tendency is, live a chaste life. And you can do this with the grace of God. And any one of us, we can live, we can keep the Ten Commandments. And the more we strive against sin, the more we beg God for the grace, the more we humble ourselves, Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. Sing the praises of God. Read the Psalms. Read the hymns from the New Testament. Go to mass at least weekly, but every day if you can. Go to confession at least monthly, more often if you can. Receive Holy Communion in the state of grace worthily. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is really present in the most blessed sacrament. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. The victim who immolated himself is no longer dying, but he lives for all eternity as active immolated love. And we receive him in his risen, ascended, glorified state. This is bedrock reality that Jesus revealed. Not because the Catholic Church teaches it so, but because God revealed it. And the Catholic Church is the guardian of this revelation. And we invite everyone to discover the truths that God has revealed, and then ask God to lead you along that path to, to whatever degree that you're capable to embrace the whole truth that Jesus has revealed. And some of us were given the faith on a silver platter, but we have to renew our faith every day. We can lose it. Remember that Paul says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Right after that great hymn in praise of the humility of Jesus Christ, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God wants to work for his good pleasure to build up his kingdom in and through us. Lord God, glorify your name in us. 
that thy kingdom would come and thy will be done. But we have to try to live according to his commandments. We have to strive to keep his commandments. Baseline, bottom line, there's no getting around it, no excuses. And don't say the devil made me do it because he didn't. And that's what Eve said. The devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You know, when we sin, it's our fault. And we go before Jesus. We, yes. When we go before Jesus, we say, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. My grandson is here and he wants to get in on this conversation. He wants to say hello and he wants to tell everybody Jesus loves you. And he wants to tell everybody Jesus loves you so much. He died on the cross for you. And Jesus wants you to come to heaven and be with him for all eternity. So we, we turn to the Lord in humility, not in pride. Mary is not the mother of pride. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of our hope because Jesus Christ is our hope. Well, we want to be quiet because we're, we're doing a radio show. Okay? So we have to listen. We're, let grandma talk. So we want to obey God in all things. We want to obey God in all things. And we want to be faithful to the Lord. And obey his commandments, obey his commandments, and let's humble ourselves before him. And I invite all of our brothers and sisters who are listening, and I hope that even Protestants and non-Catholics are listening to this program, and I invite you to come before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. He's really there. Come and spend time with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. All he can do is bless you. He loves you, and that's all he wants to do is bless you. True story, there was a naval ship, United States naval ship during World War II that went through the war combat status without a single casualty. Now, I don't know all the specific details, but I know there was a Sacred Heart Father who preached the 40 hours devotion back in 1986 at St. Mary's School in Palmdale, and he told us this story. The chaplain on that ship had said that every man on that ship would make a holy hour of adoration before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, regardless of religious affiliation. The, the sailors were like, no, we're not going to. We're going to talk to the captain about this. And the captain, the, the, the captain had talked to the captain already. And the captain said, no, this is a great idea. We need help. We're in a war. We need God's protection. And yes, I want every man on my ship to do this. And every man on that ship did it. And anyone who didn't want to do it, transferred out. But you know what? Anyone who was on that ship, no one ever died. They, they went through the war without a single casualty. Go to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, regardless of your religious affiliation. Go before him and say, Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus, I want the gift of faith. Please give it to me. I want the gift of the Holy Spirit. Please give it to me. Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Remember to honor Jesus and to be faithful to the Lord God, to keep his commandments and pray for the grace of final perseverance every day. Thank you for joining us. We're coming to the end of this hour. I had a great time. I hope you did. Please share this with all your family, friends, neighbors, and church.